Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from July 26th by Pastor Andy, titled, Overcoming Temptation, Part 2. Alright, so, we are still in this never-ending series on temptation, but it's important And the reason it's important is because we live in a Christian culture that's riddled with sin. I mean, there's moral failures, there's broken relationships, there's there's just a whole lack of Christian common sense. Why? Because as Christians, we don't know how to resist temptation, so we give in to it. So we allow that sin to come into our lives and take over. And it's so easy for us to think... That we're better than the addict, we're better than the homeless, we're better than the convict, we're better than the person who's been divorced five or six times. But the truth is, every single one of us are only a couple decisions away from disaster. And we're only a couple more decisions away from seeing that disaster mode go just rule our lives, to stay in our lives. Because how many times have you been tempted to do something, and you gave in to that temptation, and then afterwards you go, boy, I wish I hadn't done that. That was wrong. I don't ever want to do that again. Then two weeks later or two days later, sometimes two hours later, you do the same thing again. And some people will live their lives just in bondage and slave to sin because they don't know how to resist temptation. Some people even go their graves in a sense being frauds as far as being a Christian is concerned because they never knew how to overcome temptation. Uh, So we've been talking about that because it's very important to know that that's the root of our Christian life, to have that power over sin. Jesus said in Romans 6, sin shall not be master over you. He said a few verses later in verse 11, and we talked about this plenty of times before, he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. In other words, as a Christian, sin can reign in your body, but only if you let it, right? Now, you all said that in your head, right? You all went with me on that one, right? Good. Only if you let it. So we begin, we go looking at Matthew chapter 4. Because in this, Jesus gives an example on how to deal with temptation. And we said, you're never going to, to have to address these same temptations in your life. Nobody here is going to be tempted to turn stones into bread. Nobody here is going to be tempted to jump off a tower to prove they're a son of God. Nobody's going to be tempted with the kingdoms of the world. We don't read these verses in Matthew chapter 4 and go, Wow, that's so helpful because I face these temptations all the time. But the reason these verses have value in us is, first of all, because they give us a big picture of temptation. We look at these verses and we sort of step back and we see a whole lot from a distance. We see some very important things about temptation. Number one, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we understand there's always more at stake than we think. Whenever we're tempted, we, we, we tend to think, oh, it's only if I do this, it's only if I do that, it's only if I make this deal, if only if I go to their house, it's only if I buy this or, or, or take this or steal this. We tend to think the, only, the issue is what's in front of us at the moment. But what we need to understand about temptation is that there's always, always, always more at stake than we think. In Jesus' temptation, what was at stake? Our lives were at stake. Our eternity was at stake. Him remaining the sinless Son of God was at stake because if He wasn't sinless, He couldn't die for our sins. There's a lot more at stake than we think. And every temptation you face, every temptation you face, every temptation you face, to some degree, your family, your future, and your faith is at stake. But there's something else that we need to look at this morning whenever you get the big picture of temptation. 
And that's this, that your pride is always at play. Your pride always comes into play during temptation. There was a, in Chicago area, there's a drug user. He became a drug informant for the police department. And his job was to get people to sell him drugs or sell drugs to his um, police informant. It was his partner, his undercover police, police guy. It was his partner. And he's very successful. And the reason he was very successful is that he had this real good strategy. He would go to people and he'd play on their pride. He'd play, he'd play on their egos. He would say, yeah, everybody says they can deliver, but you look a little young. Or you look a little old. Or you look a little nerdy. And he was getting them to think that they were in control. And that's what Satan comes to Jesus with. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 6, he says, if you are the son of God. And this is not an if like, well, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. The Greek's very specific. This is an if that means since, since you are the Son of God. In other words, Satan is coming, hey, you're the Son of God. You can handle this. And that's what Satan makes us think. Pride comes into play, and we think we're too smart, too cool, too slick, too fast. It's not going to bother us. We can handle this temptation. We can handle this in our lives. And you know what they call people who think they can handle it? Suckers, right? Because they just gave into it. Because you can't handle it. The third thing about this passage in Matthew chapter 4 and getting a big overview is, is Jesus teaches us sort of a, a good way to how to deal with temptation. It starts in that verse back in Psalm, Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And what's the rest of that? Yeah, that I might not sin against God. So Satan comes to Jesus and tempts him to turn these stones into bread. What does Jesus say? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan comes to him and, and tempts him to, to jump off the tower to, to prove he's God. And, and Jesus goes, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan comes to him and tempts him with the kingdom of the world. says, these be yours, you just fall down and worship me. Jesus says, no, it is written, you shall worship God and serve him only. So the Word of God is, is that which gives us the, the strength to handle our temptation. It's sort of like that movie Princess Bride. Y'all remember the old movie? Somebody's favorite old movie, The Princess Bride. And, and early on, the two guys, they're, they're battling with the swords and going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Then one of them says, I got bad news for you. I'm not left-handed. And he switches the swords over to his right hand. And starts fighting. And then he says to the other guy, he's smiling. He says, why are you smiling? He says, because I know something you don't know. And what's that? I'm not left-handed either. And he switches over to his right hand. And then after he does that, he quickly dispatches it. He quickly wins the upper hand over the other guy. And whenever you have the word of God, it's like you're telling Satan, Satan I got something you can't handle. There's something you can't handle here. It's, it's the word of God. You can't handle this. Then later on in the movie, Toward the end, the hero, he gets what's, what seems like it's going to be a fatal blow. And, and he's, he's weak, he's bleeding, and he's hunched over, and, and it looks like he's done for. And then he starts whispering. Y'all remember what he whispers? Hello, my name is Nigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepared to die. And it starts off with a whisper. And then it gets louder. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. He just gets louder and louder. And, and, and that, those words had been inside of him for so long, and that became his strength. And that's what the Word of God does for us. 
You know, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. And, and, and that becomes part of who we are and gives us strength to overcome temptation. Listen, if the living word had to use the written word to deal with the enemy of the word, how much more do you and I who've never written any word need that same word to deal with the enemy of the word? We need it. And don't tell me you can't memorize. Some of you have every single word of Taylor Swift songs memorized. You can even dance to it. Okay, you memorize what's important to you. So, in Matthew chapter 4, it has value. It has value because you step back and you see the big picture. You see those three things in temptation. But also, in Matthew chapter 4, it has value because, and we started this last week, because when we're tempted, all temptations fall in the same categories of those three temptations. So let's go through and look at this. In Matthew chapter 4, let's start verses 1. Through four. I practiced this this week. It worked great. Okay, we got a click. It keeps buzzing in my hand. Aha. All right. Need to back up one. All right, here we go. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so his first temptation. And Jesus realized the temptation is not so much about bread. The temptation is, what's more important in my life? The temptation is, am I going to to let my physical needs be more important than my spiritual needs? That's the temptation that's that's coming out. Uh, He's trying to force his his hand to, to doubt his relationship with God. So that's what Jesus realizes at the core of this. You want me to doubt my relationship with God, and I will not do that. Because I have more important needs than my physical need. Now let me ask you this. How many times a day are you tempted to put the physical above the spiritual in your life? All the time. All the time we're tempted to forget about the spiritual side of life and just go with what we see. As we face this, this is a daily daily thing, sometimes an hourly thing. And then we read this. Doo-doo. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is written, Do not test the Lord your God. Jesus realizes this is not about me being known as Messiah. What this is about is, is me trying to manipulate God, me trying to presume upon God. Me trying to get God to do my bidding. To do what I want him to do. 
And whenever we get disappointed with God, God, why won't you do this? God, how come you do not happen? God, if you're God and you love me, this ought to be the way it should be in my life. When we want to dictate to God what should happen, we're giving into this. How many times do, do, do people do that, tempted to demand that God perform for us? Or to ask us another way, how many people do you know that get disappointed with God because God allowed this to happen or God didn't do this? We fall to pray this temptation all the time. And then next, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. This is a temptation to go about Wanting the right thing, but to go about the wrong way. To pursue something in a way that makes us temporarily, not forever, just temporarily set aside our morals, our values, our convictions, our ethics. So we set it aside just for a little bit so we can do this deal, so we can go here, so we can do that. We set that aside just a little bit and we say, okay, in a little while I'll just readopt my morals, values, ethics, and life will go on as, as it is. Your life will go just fine. So it's a temptation to set aside what should be very important of us, to set aside being God-focused, to set aside those morals, those values, and ethics, and then come back to time readopted and say, okay, I'll set this aside for a little bit, then I'll come back and I'll be a great giver. I'll be someone who, who worships regularly. I'll just be all out for God. But I'm just going to have to set these aside temporarily. That's a big temptation. That's a big temptation. Let me. Well, our signal, for some reason, is not making it back there. All right. Let me back up. Here in verse 8, it says, And the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. I used to think that was something. But now I can get on my computer and punch Google Earth and I can see all the world if I want to. Uh, but what he more like, likely did is took him to a high point where he could see Jerusalem. And scholars believe that, that this was done in, in, in representation of, of all the kingdoms of the world. Okay, and he said to him, I'll give you all these things if you will fall down and, and, and worship me. If you'll just submit to my authority. If you'll just submit to my authority. Just this little bit. Then you can have all authority. See the reason this is a powerful temptation. Is because this is why Jesus came. You remember back in Genesis. When, when God created man. He gave him authority. He gave him dominion over all the earth. And when man switched allegiances. When man said to God, I don't trust you anymore, what went with man was also that authority. So when, when, when Satan comes to Jesus and says, I'll give you all authority, Jesus didn't say, well, that's not yours to give. That's why he came, is to regain that authority over all the earth. That's why when he rose, after he rose from the grave, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So, so this, is, this is why he came. And what, what Satan is saying is, hey, look, you can have all authority, and you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to have any pain. I'll just give it to you. 
If you'll just take this little sidestep here, if you'll just walk off your path just for a moment, then you can get back on and everything will be okay. That's, that's the temptation. Because Jesus, this is why you came, right? You want authority. This is what you were born for. I'll just give it to you. Just fall down and worship me. Just, just do that, then everything will go as normal. It's kind of like the guy who says, when I was a kid, I used to pray that God would give me a bicycle. And I realized God and his wisdom didn't work that way, so I just stole one and asked God to forgive me. It's that type of thing. Where you're on the path, and you'll get off the path just for a little bit. Then you'll get back on, ask God's forgiveness, and everything will be okay. It's that type of thinking. But every time you do something like that, it erodes your faith in God a little bit. It, it erodes your your, your belief in who God is and what he can do in your life. It just rose out a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And so what Jesus does, he reaches back to the Old Testament. And he comes this time where, where God told him, look, you're about to go in this land and you're going to have all this stuff. And when you do, don't forget who got you to this place to begin with. Don't be tempted to forget who got you here because you'll never accomplish God's will by abandoning his principles. It's not going to happen. And that's what he's being tempted to do. Let's go and look here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that he will give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, and I do not have this memorized, so I got, this, I got to read this one. All right, well. One of these years we will get this. Houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. So think of it like this. At your work, you're one of ten managers. And a slot comes open for this upper position. And then you see that there's this way, it's kind of sneaky, kind of underhanded, but you can maneuver yourself to be in a blessed place to get one of those top positions. It's a little underhanded, and it's going to, you know, it's, it's a little, yeah, it's not a little shady. But you can get yourself in where you can have one of those top positions. God's saying, look, what makes you think that you need to abandon your principles, your ethics, your morals? Who got you this place to begin with? Who got you this job as manager to begin with? Who brought you from below the company and all the way up to where you're at right now anyway? Who did that? Don't you remember when you were out of college and you could put everything that you owned in the trunk of your car? Don't you remember you were just happy to have some peanut butter and, and bread? Or when they came out with these other flavors of Top Ramen, you know how glad you were to get another flavor of Top Ramen? And now you think you need to do this on your own? Now you think you don't need to trust me anymore? That's the temptation. To think, all I have to do to, to accomplish God's will is move off this path just a little bit. Just to, then I can get back on and everything will be fine. This can look a lot of different ways in our culture. 
But it happens all the time. Happens all the time. The next verse, Deuteronomy. Fear the Lord your God and worship him and take your oaths in his name. And Jesus is recalling this verse. So he says in Matthew 4.10, Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus came for all the kingdoms of the earth, but he also came to have a broken fellowship with God, and he wound up getting both. But sometimes we want the kingdoms of the world, and we're willing to sacrifice our fellowship with God, and we wind up with neither. That's what happens. So what is it that you want so bad? What is it that you want so bad that you're willing to, to sacrifice your morals, your convictions, your, your ethics for, just for a little while? Just for a little while. What is it? What is it that you think that, that you have to do now, although God got you where you're at? What is it that you think that you need to do in order to accomplish something? In order to do that, it's going to, be a, it's going to take you a little, a little bit off that path of what's right. People come against this all the time. And every time that you're willing to get off that path, to sacrifice your, your morals, your conviction, your ethics, it gets a little bit easier next time, doesn't it? And a little bit easier, and a little bit easier. A few years ago, there was a senator from California who resigned because he got caught up in a corruption scandal, which nothing unusual about that. But what is unusual is the letter that he wrote, his resignation letter. Let me just read you a little part of it. He says, Over a period of years, as I drank the heady wine of power and influence, my priorities in office became distorted. Success and recognition were foremost. Honesty and adherence to the law were not at the center of my focus. Like some others before me, I placed undue emphasis on raising funds, on achieving political status, and on impressing my friends. Strict compliance with the law would have allowed me to perform my public service without becoming the center of one controversy after another over the years. Then he concludes, I wish my colleagues well, and it would please me if someone benefits from what I have said and rededicates himself or herself to staying clear of the line. When you are willing to walk close to the line, whether for political success, personal gain, or to help your friends, you risk waking up one day to find out that you have long since crossed a boundary that you vowed you would never cross. That is where I find myself today. Goodbye, good luck, thank you, I apologize, please include me in your prayers. What a great job photocropping. Of cutting out all the other stuff and just seeing that picture that Satan wants you to see. And so many people will sacrifice their purity on, on, the, on the altar of, of, of pleasure. They'll sacrifice their integrity on the altar of, of materialism or personal gain. And that's when we need to go back and need to say, no, no, no. I will worship the Lord my God and serve him only. I'm not going after this. Even if it's just for a little while, I'm not going to go after this. How many you know, people who put God on hold and say, I'll just have to put him on hold just for a little bit in my life, but then I'll come back. I see that happen a lot. This little detour... So like I said, <clears throat> probably every temptation we face can put in one of the categories of these three temptations that Jesus is up against. 
So what are you tempted with? Are you tempted to forget about the spiritual side of life and just focus on the physical? As Alice talked about in her prayer time, it's a spiritual battle that we're facing. It's spiritual enemies. We think it's flesh and blood. No, no, no. There's something spiritual going on. We're willing to, to forget about that. Often, we're tempted to forget about that. Often, we're, we're tempted to, to, to tell God, to demand God what He needs to do and not do in our lives. To presume upon God. And how often we're tempted just to get off that path just for a little bit, just for a little bit. And tell ourselves, once I get this deal done, once I do this, then I'll come right back. In other words, I'll go ahead and steal that bike and just ask for forgiveness afterwards. And everything will be okay. But if we'll come back to what Jesus says, I will worship God and serve him only. If we'll take that word and put it into our lives. So that when he comes against us, we have something that infuses us with power. Because it's not just something that, that we memorize. It's something that, that's us. It's part of who we are. It's the truth. And we'll talk about that next time. It's the truth. So, here's the question. Is it time for you to make that decision? To worship God and serve him only? I'm not going to let anything else get in the way. I'm not going to be taken off my path because Satan wants me to focus on this over here when the real issue is right here. Don't let him deceive you. Deceive you into thinking that you're too cool, you're too smart, you're too fast, you're too slick. You can overcome this. You'll be okay. You can handle it. You won't get addicted. It won't destroy your life. Don't let him deceive you into thinking that. Instead, say, no. I'm sticking with God. I'm following after him. I'm not letting this deceive me anymore. Not going to let that happen. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.